Hi, dear listener. Zach here. I'm proud of the work we did on Call of Discovery and Keyforge Public Radio, and last year I took my love of podcasts full-time with my company, Rooster High Productions. If you know someone with a business who wants to broadcast their expertise through podcasts and derived social media marketing, send them my way to Zach at RoosterHigh.com. Thank you so much. Public Radio with your host, Zach Armstrong. What makes Brabnar dominant on the board in Winds of Exchange? What rewards them for it? We're going to start with talking about how Brabnar takes the board. By taking the board, I'm talking about creatures that are difficult to remove, except with, you know, a big board wipe, creatures that are difficult to fight off, creatures that can make uneven trades, right? Fighting into opponent's creatures, wiping out one or multiple all at a time, as well as action cards and other uh, board clearing mechanics that are going to help them fight down the opponent's battle line, gain some amber while doing it, doing some amber control, and generally maintaining a board presence. Maintaining a board presence with beefy creatures that can fight really well and accomplish other things while they're fighting. Because remember, just fighting down an enemy creature, that's not getting you amber, that gets you to keys, that gets you to the third key, that gets you to victory. All other things being equal, you want to be reaping to get amber. However, Brabnar can be very effective at keeping that board while they fight, right? While they fight to keep the opponent from reaping, destroying those creatures that could get amber, uh, getting amber for that fight or getting other beneficial effects for that fight, and then keeping all those other creatures around to then be reaping out. So like we mentioned, the creatures just have staying power. They're just bigger. There's a lot of fives and sevens uh, in the common and uncommon slot for Brobnar, which is great. Those things have a lot of staying power. They're a bit tougher to get rid of, right? They take uh, a couple fights from smaller creatures or, or just really good board control action cards to effectively get rid of. And they have a lot of things like uh, the Artifact Might Club, which says action, ready and enrage a creature. So you're fighting with a creature the turn you play it, or you're getting two fights out of it. You're getting a fight and a reap out of it. Very good card. Shock Herders, the three-power goblin. It's got deploy, so it can go anywhere in the battle line, and you can ready and fight with a creature uh, next to Shock Herder after you deploy it. So these help you These help you have creature fighting from hand, whether or not that creature was on the board to start, or a double fight if the creature's already out. So that's very strong. You can go from an empty board, and simply if you have something like a Krim Torch Tooth and a Shock Herder in hand, or a Krim in your hand and a Might Club on the board, oh man, you're going to be, you're just going to be destroying the other side of the board really easily. And a side note with Splash Attack, like we brought it up earlier, it adds a lot of power to every Brabnar creature swing, right? Splash Attack also gets past Taunt and Elusive. If you're fighting into the creature with Taunt, right, since that has to be your target, if you've got creatures that are neighbors, right, those can't be targeted by the attack itself. But the Splash Attack will go uh, past the Taunt into the neighbors, and it breaks through Elusive too because it's just a keyword that does damage and it still gets to count as destroyed in a fight for the purposes of card effects for things uh, like example feats of strength which creates a token creature every time an enemy creature is destroyed in a fight so if you have this crim torch tooth out you fight you destroy three creatures because that splash attack four uh, perhaps gets to uh, some neighbors and blows them up you're going to be creating three token creatures off of that one fight that's great value you also have a lot of action cards that are all along these same lines. Berserker Slam does four damage to a flank creature, gives you an amber pip, and then if it blows up that flank creature, your opponent loses an amber. 
So you get a little bit of amber, you get your opponent to lose some amber if you blow the creature up, and you're doing some removal in four. Four is a great number for that. There's just so much going on with Berserker Slam. It's a lot of value packed into one card at the cost of it having to be a flank creature. And it's not just an enemy flank creature. So if you play it and there's no opponents in the battle line, then you'd have to target your own creature. You probably don't want to do that. However, it would if you're trying to trigger a destroyed effect, you are evening out on Amber. So... That's really, that's really up to you. But fantastically strong card. We have Stratosmack, the action card that does three damage. And if that damage destroys the creature, uh, you get to make a token creature. Pound, which does uh, two damage with one splash, gives you a pip of amber. All very good. You also have Vow of Blood, the action card that enhances two damage pips out into the deck somewhere. And it does two damage to every damaged enemy creature. So what's really balanced about this is it's going to give those pips elsewhere in the deck, right? Those damage pips. It's going to only target enemy creatures. So that's a really big upside. That is a really big upside with removal because usually it's two-sided. But the cost is that it's only doing two damage and only to creatures that are damaged already. However, given the number of damage pips in this set, given that we have things like Fire Spitter, uh, Heavy the Huge, I believe, is the one that does two damage to every undamaged creature. It's either that or Earthshaker. I'm pretty sure it's Heavy the Huge. <laughs> You're going to have a lot of damaged enemy creatures, and it's not it's not hard to get more damaged enemy creatures with the aforementioned Pound, things like that. So Valve Blood is fantastic. You can sequence well and do your math really well, pretty easily, to go ahead and get some creature destruction off of Valve Blood right? And then, like I just mentioned, Earthshaker, Heavy the Huge, and Fire Spitter all do such huge damage, huge damage to the rest of the board. Fire Spitter, of course, going into uh, going into just your opponent's battle line. Heavy the Huge and Earthshaker, sometimes you'll discard them, but there's going to be plenty of times that you can go ahead and play Earthshaker, play Heavy the Huge, uh, and you're getting a great value for playing these, and now you have a large body on the board that can just stay there and reap or do some more fighting if you need to. So with all of these kinds of cards, and all of these are at common and uncommon right here in the playbook series for each house, we're focusing mostly just on the commons and uncommons because this is most of what you're going to see in your decks. This is what's going to make up the bulk of your play experience uh, playing with and against Brobnar in Winds of Exchange. And so these things like all the ready-end fights, all the big damage from hand, building that up, uh, synergizing with Vow of Blood, having a couple creatures that can just drop and do massive damage all across the board, right? This means they can take the board and dominate the board. They can always have a couple creatures out, and it's going to be tough to actually beat them at the game of having creatures stick to the board. Now, of course, that alone doesn't win you the game, but they're great at rewarding their own board presence too, right? If they were just good at fighting, then they'd have to reap out. But here in Winds of Exchange, Brobnar is great at rewarding itself for that fighting and for getting and staying ahead in creatures on the board, right? And of course, we have the iconic Brick Nasty. Five power Brobnar creature, and it reads, after another Brobnar creature fights, gain one. It's fantastic. It's not an after fight effect that gets put onto that creature, so the creature does not even need to survive. It's just after it fights, gain one. That is fantastic. Feats of Strength, the action card, like I mentioned earlier, creates an effect for the rest of the turn where you are creating a token creature for every enemy creature destroyed in a fight. Remember, that includes Splash Attack. So if you're in a position where you want to make a lot of token creatures, this is awesome. And sometimes you're getting rewarded with Brick Nasty and Feats of Strength where you're getting more creatures, you're blowing up theirs, and you're getting Amber pretty bonkers. Fresh Marks is this great uh, destroy a creature card. It's got an amber pip. It says destroy a friendly creature if you do exalt three enemy creatures. 
So this is putting three amber out into the board. So really, eventually, it's a four amber gain at the cost of blowing up one of your own creatures, which you can blow up something out of house with a great destroyed effect, of which there are a lot. In Winds of Exchange, in-house, there's Ged Hammer. Destroyed, ready, and enraged every other friendly Brabnar creature so you can fight. And then with enraged creatures against an empty board, you can still reap because enrage only reads, when this creature is used, you must fight if able. And you're not able if there's no enemy creatures on the board. So there's lots of good stuff there with fresh marks. Overrun is a reprint, but so much better in this set. The action card where your opponent loses to Amber. If three or more enemy creatures have been destroyed this turn, Press Gang, which creates a token creature, and then Archives itself if an enemy creature was destroyed this turn. I have a few of these with damage pips on them, and it's just so fun. They can often blow the creature up with the pip and then archive themselves off of that, off of that destruction. Uh, one of the most famous ones I've seen, just because it's Amber Control, Board Advantage, everything is Ragnarok Prep. This action card makes you a token creature, and then if you have more friendly creatures than enemy creatures, your opponent loses two. Two Amber is a great, a great amount, and it's from hand, it's quick, and it's getting you more Board Advantage. There's, It's just a very, very good card. And then on the other side of things, there's Smith, right? With an Amber Pip. And if you play it when you have more friendly creatures than enemy creatures, which you're already being rewarded for anyways, you get to Amber. So that, that is a three Amber. That's a three Amber gain, including the Pip, right? And if you've got that and Ragnarok Prep and some other things, you are really getting ahead. There's also a number of capture cards that if your opponent is having a tough time actually fighting your board, especially in sealed, right, if you know this person is probably out of board control of other big creatures themselves ready in fights, right, you have things like Unguarded Camp and Shattered Throne that let you capture onto your creatures. Unguarded Camp letting you capture one amber for every creature you have in excess of your opponent in the battle lines, right, Shattered Throne is a double-sided artifact where every creature after it fights captures one. So there's a lot of ways to capture it and then just keep that amber. And captured amber, of course, if the creatures die, will go back. However, capturing is still great for tempo. There's a couple of ways to reward yourself for capturing that amber. Sometimes if the person's really out of tools, they're not going to get that back before you win. They're not going to get that back before you win. So a lot of good stuff here. They take the board and they reward the board. So at the rarity we're discussing here, right, commons and uncommons for Brabnar and Winds of Exchange... There's not a lot of really high-powered combos. There's not things like we were talking about in Saurian with Praetor Marius and Epic Poem, which is just going to go absolutely bonkers, right? There's a couple things that are rare. Uh, I'll shout out to Holofest and Endless Hordes, especially in combination with Brick Nasty and Harmalatoon. These can combo off like crazy, but at the common and uncommon slot, there's not a lot of these power combos that are just going to send you to the stratosphere in a flashy way, but there is a ton of consistency for taking the board and rewarding the board, right? Taking the board and there's it's not even like it's not even like you can just not play creatures and then you're okay because you're going to get hit with Ragnarok prep. You're going to get hit with Smith, you're going to get hit with Unguarded Camp. The only thing you're saving yourself from is things like feats of strength, fresh marks, overrun if you want to maintain a small board to turn off some of your things. But you're going to have to look at their list and exactly what they can get rewarded for if that's something you need to dodge, if that's something you need to be worried about, right? And seeing how many how many creatures they have, how many token makers they have, especially if they have a Brabnar token creature, and really do the math on how much more board can they put out there and how much more could they get rewarded for it in case that matters to how you're going to play against them. And it might, it might not, depending on what your game plan is, whether or not you're the beatdown or you're the control deck in this situation, right? 
So not a ton of huge power combos at this rarity, but rather just a whole lot of really quality consistency, a whole lot of cards that are just really tuned, maybe a little overtuned, right? Ragnarok prep. Smith is a reprint. That's just so good. Um, brick nasty. So there's going to be a lot of consistency in what it wants to do and it, how it rewards itself for doing what it's already good at. So some things I will say here is, Oh, if you're doing Sealed Alliance, always give con good consideration to any Brabnar pod you pull, especially if you can get a Brabnar token over there in it. Look for a fair number of creatures, look for ready-in-fight effects, look for rewards for staying ahead on the board, look for token makers in other houses, things like Nyon Outpost, where you can spit out a whole bunch of tokens on another turn and then go right over to Brabnar and boom, you've got a full board of Brabnar that very next turn if they don't wipe, right? One of the really strong things in a sealed environment for Winds of Exchange is a whole lot of Amber Pips and a whole lot of removal. So I think that's one archetype uh, you might go for if uh, you really don't want to go for Brabnar for whatever reason, whether you did not open a great Brabnar pod, no Brabnar token. Um, uh, that might that might be a reason that might be a reason to stay away from Brabnar if you know you have a lot of removal, some speed, and a lot of pips, right? A lot of pips. Maybe you've got a cursed relic in there, just spitting out pips everywhere. But I'd say by default, always give good consideration to any Brabnar pod you pull. That will likely serve you very well, especially if you play it well. Find some other pods that will support that. And then for some reason unknown to God, they got Rant and Rive this set. They already had this really strong board takeover presence, take the board, reward the board. And now they have Rant and Rive, which halves your opponent's Amber if they're at eight or more. So here's the thing. If your opponent can go huge, right? If your opponent can go to 12 Amber, 14 Amber, they'll, they're still going to go that high. If, it's, if they're not completely running out of gas, if, if they're not spending everything their deck had left, uh, perhaps, because it just halves the amber so you can still stay at check. But this is still so good because people will get to 8, 9, or 10, and then you take them off check with that. Even if they get to 12, you might have a Ragnarok prep to get them down that additional 2. And the crazy thing about Rant and Rive is is just how good it is compared to some of the other have the Amber Totals cards. We have... Things like Submersive Principle and Effervescent Principle, right? Two versions of very similar cards and logos that have players Amber. But Rant and Rive is just for your opponent if they're at eight or more. So the opponent, if they suspect it might be in there, it is a common after all. So they may have it. They may have it in Winds of Exchange if they have Brabnar and you haven't seen their list if it's sealed, right? All they got to do is just go to seven and then Rant and Rive can't touch you. But be aware for ways that Brabnar can blow up its own creatures that may have some captured amber on it to get you up to eight to then take it all away. So Rant and Rive, a big card in the set. Watch out for it. Hold it if you need to while you're playing Brabnar. Um, just know that that is, that is in there, and that is a big thing to consider if it can take you off check, right? If it can take you off check, sometimes the right answer is to go ahead and go crazy high anyway so that, that, half, uh, so that having your amber still gets you to check for your next key. So here are some factors to watch out for, whether you're playing with Brabnar or against Brabnar in Winds of Exchange. These are going to be some tactical and strategic considerations that I want you to keep in mind while you're playing with or against Brabnar. And this is going to help you either maximize your board, right? Or maximize uh, uh, your advantages, minimize your disadvantages against a Brabnar if you're playing against them in Winds of Exchange. So watch out for battle line positioning. Watch out for your battle line positioning and how it interacts with your opponent's removal. 
and also how much you're playing to your board. So things like Berserker Slam. Like we mentioned earlier, it deals four damage to a flank creature. So if you have three creatures in hand, let's say two of them are a five power and one of them are one power, let's say, just for a concrete example, you've got two Kelpminders and a Skullback Crab. If you're on check with six and you play these three cards out and you go Kelpminder, Kelpminder, Skullback Crab, Skullback Crab is on one flank, guess what? That Berserker Slam can hit that Skullback Crab, take it out easily, and get you off of check. But if you play Kelpminder, Skullback Crab, Kelpminder, right, unless they have some other way to get damage on there, which, I mean, let's be honest, they very well might, it is Brobnar, they can't just automatically get a flank creature destroyed with Berserker Slam to take you off of that Amber. So remember all these little positioning things, right? Keep that in mind with Splash Attack. You've got Krog the Clumsy with uh, 7 power Splash Attack 2. You have Krim Torchtooth with 7 power Splash Attack 4. So keep that in mind as you tuck things behind Taunt, as you position your elusive creatures and with these big with these big creatures, there's sometimes you're just not going to be able to dodge that splash attack and you just have to live with your creatures blowing up. But just be aware of that as you position them in case you can position it in a way that really, you know, in a way that really matters. So for instance, if you have a taunt creature, another creature, then your elusive creature. And then there's no neighbor over here next to the elusive creature. And if Crim Tooth can only fight once, there's no ready to fight. There's nobody else to break elusive. This is kind of a magic Christmas land scenario. If they fight into the taunt, they only hit the neighbor, and they can't fight this neighbor to get the splash attack over onto the elusive, and if they only fight into the elusive, that just breaks elusive and doesn't blow up the creature, right? So there are ways to manipulate your battle line where you can make sure that you are making it as hard as possible for somebody to take advantage of that splash attack keyword. Keep this in mind with the artifact flamethrower, right? Dealing one to a creature in each of its neighbors, and then overrun. Overrun will only trigger if they have destroyed three or more enemy creatures in a turn, and then you lose two. And what's one way you can keep them from destroying three or more enemy creatures is by only having two or less. Now I say that just as a consideration in case that makes sense for you to play, but don't fall, don't fall to the temptation like I do sometimes. Don't give into the temptation though to simply play around their deck so much that you're actually not moving yourself towards the win condition. If only playing a two creatures is just going to kind of slow you way down and you get... Uh, you get so overrun doesn't trigger, but you're slowing yourself way down anyways, and you're sacrificing presenting threats for them to respond to if you're the beatdown. You really shouldn't worry about overrun. You're going to get amber stolen. You're going to lose amber from the opponent's card effects. You can't dodge every negative thing they throw at you. Sometimes you have to be the beatdown and just to make so make enough amber put out enough threats that you can take that overrun on the chin but let's say you're at check for your last key and you know the only amber control left in their deck is overrun if you can get down to two creatures on your board guess what you've just turned overrun off and then board wipe timing so timing of a board wipe and when to hold a board wipe and what kind of a matchup is super important, especially in Winds of Exchange with tokens and Brobnar dominating the board. So if you know they have more creatures to throw it onto the board, it might be worth it to save your board wipe for another turn if you suspect you're going to see more Brobnar hitting. Now in an open deck list format like Archon or Alliance, you actually have perfect knowledge of their card because you can look at it at any time. You can look at their deck list of 36 cards 
at any time. So you have as perfect knowledge as possible. You just don't see or don't really know usually what's in their archives or in their hand. So use that to your advantage. How many Brabnar cards have they gone through already? What are the token makers that are out or what are the token makers that are left in the deck? How much gas is left in the tank for their board presence? Can they play a bunch more? Do they have an endless hordes coming? Do they have a few Crim Torchtooths and Shock Herders you have not seen yet? So look at all these factors and do the math and then say to yourself, okay, do I hold this board wipe or do I play it now? Is it the best time to play it now and go ahead and wipe and try to take the board back myself? Or do I hold it? Let them, you know, do a bit of fighting and reaping. They get a few amber worth of advantage now and then they play a bunch more. And then I wipe for even more value, and they didn't get so far ahead I couldn't handle it. This is all math you have to do in your head and intuition and learning through <laughs> and learning through experience and also applying yourself in ways that I know it took me a while to learn I, I had to do. That Archon card being out there as, as close as you can get as to perfect knowledge as to what's left, right, between their hand, archives, and deck is huge if you start paying attention to it, if you start counting things. So we're going to go through the tokens for Brobnar, talk about how they work with a Brobnar game plan, and then we're going to jump over to our MVP, and you might already be guessing who the MVP is. I've talked about them a little bit earlier, but we're just going to shower them, shower them with praise in just a minute here. So the Brobnar tokens. The Brobnar tokens in Winds of Exchange, first off, we're starting with Skirmisher. Two power goblin, it's got skirmish. It's great with Brick Nasty since it's got repeatable fights. This thing doesn't die if it just fights into a, a bigger creature, right? So it's repeatable. And here's the thing. When I first saw Skirmisher, I was not terribly impressed. But then you get things out like Brick Nasty. You get uh, the very powerful rare endless hordes you get ready and fight effects uh you get you get rewarded for your creatures staying out on the board and living and staying head on the board with things like smith and ragnarok prep like we mentioned earlier and skirmisher is a perfect companion to all of this i like all of the brabnar tokens really all of them can serve this role skirmisher with uh, because it of course has skirmish really has a strong advantage here in that it's got that skirmish to put that two damage out it can combo with Vow of Blood, it can combo, it can get that two damage on that then helps something like a Berserker Slam trigger. So Skirmisher, fantastic token. It's good. And just a spoiler, a spoiler, all the Brabnar tokens are good, especially with a good Brabnar pod that rewards you for having tokens in other houses that can really help pump them out. Now we have Grumpus. And here's the math on Grumpus. Grumpus is two power and it has splash attack one. Here's the thing. That is four total damage output with no drawback. I'm going to say that again because that math is really good on a token. It is four total damage output with no drawback. That damage being spread out one to one uh, is really just a factor you have control over. You can get through elusive. You can get through taunt, right? You can do silly tricks like going with uh, pyro to add more splash attack that combines or Volca right adding to grumpus's splash attack so it's four total damage with no real drawback it's really good uh, it sets up the common over in mars mars needs amber right because you can just splash damage everywhere grumpus is fantastic i love it i think it's real strong look out for grumpus especially in decks where it's gonna stack with all that ping damage maybe with some mars needs amber fun stuff like that now warrior same damage output as Grumpus, right? Except it's all on one, so it's going to be more survivable. That's the thing. Grumpus is easier to kill off. Now, two power is still quite strong, but Warrior, all that four damage is in its power, which means it itself is more survivable, which is part of the trade-off there. Now, Warrior, of course, cannot reap while there are any enemy creatures in play. It's a more intense enraged, which I think is a great trade-off for being four power. And with Warrior, 
it actually makes your sequencing a lot easier because you're like, well, I can only fight with this if there's enemy enemy creatures in the battle line. Do I fight with it or does it just hang out, right? And often you're going to want to be fighting with it because it helps you trigger all those other effects we were talking about earlier. So Warrior is very good for power, has a ton of staying power. It's tough to remove. It keeps your it keeps your tokens alive. It keeps your board really resilient because it's tough to kill a four power token and you can really usually keep making them, right? They have quite a strong presence depending on how many tokens your deck wants to make. Now, lastly, Berserker. <laughs> this card is busted. Five power token. This is the special token. You only get this token if Revna Star Song the Rare gets into your deck list and then it overrides the token and makes sure your token is Berserker. This thing is totally busted. Five power, so crazy strong, enters ready and enraged. And it has after fight destroy Berserker and Revna Star Song removes that after fight effect. Here's the thing about Berserker. Creating them on your Bravnar turns means you can ready and fight and just go, go, go. And there are a lot of things that just make this totally busted. So if you're making a bunch of tokens on your turn, right, with Berserker, say, uh, feats of strength like we talked about earlier, they are all coming in ready. And if you fight down your enemy's board, which you probably are, if you're getting a whole bunch of Berserkers coming in ready alongside the rest of your Brabnar board, once that battle line is completely empty on the other side, they can just reap. They just enter and can reap. And that's just Amber the turn you play them. It's busted. And watch out for slash try it out with FOF Transponder. This Star Alliance upgrade means you basically always have a token in play and Berserkers kill themselves off after they fight. So what you can do is have a Berserker with FOF Transponder, really just get FOF Transponder onto anybody on the field and then blow them up. And then a Berserker comes in ready, that FOF Transponder attaches, they can fight, blow themselves up, create another ready Berserker, and you rule of six pretty friggin' easily. Now, playing against this, just be aware that it is possible in a Berserker deck with FOF Transponder, and it's not even a two-card combo. All you got to do is play FOF Transponder. It's not even a two-card combo because Berserker is technically a non-deck card, right? So you just play that FOF Transponder, keep your bounce, keep your bubbles, keep your pull-up stakes in case you really think that's a big threat to your game plan, if it often is, and go ahead and bounce that so that that FOF Transponder gets over to the discard. And, of course, the MVP... Moving to the MVP for Brabnar, Four Winds of Exchange. No surprises here. The MVP award goes to Brick Nasty. Brick Nasty is a common. It is so good. It's a one-for-one one fighting and reaping on amber value, right? You can you can activate a creature to fight. Uh, and if it's Brabnar, you're getting both the amber you would have got if you reaped. And you're getting to fight and push yourself towards those rewards for fighting. And so it removes that opportunity cost that we talk about here on Keyforge Public Radio, right? Where every cost in Keyforge, whether it's a house choice playing a card or using a card, it's an opportunity cost of what you could have you done first, what else could you have done? Brick Nasty just says, nope. You can fight and get Amber all at the same time while moving towards these strong Barbara game plans. And it's so crazy because you can get Brick Nasty in multiples, which makes it crazy attractive to fight. Right? I've been against two Brick Nasty and Endless Hordes and Skirmisher, and that's just a game if you have too big of a board and you can't handle the Amber Burst. It's it's bonkers. It's absolutely game-ending. So multiple out make fighting the most attractive thing you can do with a creature. It's a fight, gain two, fight, gain three, however many Brick Nasties you have out, and it's a passive effect. So you just drop it, and boom. You don't even have to have it ready. You don't have to activate anything. All you do is get the Brick Nasty out, start fighting, and that is it. Brick Nasty, the absolute MVP for Brobnar 
in Winds of Exchange. Such an amazing card. Keep an eye out for it. Keep an eye out for combos. Use it to just elevate your game plan. And keep an eye out for it if it's across the table and try to figure out what their out is in case you can head them off at the pass. To wrap it up, I'll tell a quick story about going against Brobnar, right? So at Keyforge Celebration uh, in late 2022, I was playing Sealed Alliance, and I went 5-0 the first day. It was fantastic. I had a Double Cursed Relic deck where I did not use that pod, and I just used the other pods with all the Amber Pips. And I was rushing on bonus Amber Pips all over the place, and I went 5-0. However, the only time I fought a Brobnar deck, it didn't even have a Brobnar token. It was in the last round. And I hadn't even seen Rant and Rive. I did not know Rant and Rive was a card until my opponent went, huh, I guess I'm not, I guess I'm not using this right now and played Rant and Rive to no effect. Uh, and that's where I said, oh, I could have been hit real big by that. They had no Brobnar token. And then I got to the top cut. I was feeling pretty good. I was like, well, you know, maybe I'll lose, maybe I'll win. But I went 5-0. I went 5-0 in the group round. So that's pretty great. And then for the first time, I sat down across from a fighty Brobnar with the Berserker token. And I got smashed. It was a best of three, and I was beat 2-0 real quick. I was beat 2-0 real quick. My deck had no answers. If I had thought about it, I would have swapped around my sealed alliance pods. If I had known the meta, which I had no reason to really know the meta, right? We hadn't fully seen everything going on in Winds of Exchange. Didn't know Brobnar was going to be as dominant as it was. And so I could have swapped out some pods to really try to fight against a big fighty Brobnar pod, but there was nothing I could do. There was nothing I could do. So keep in mind, with Sealed Alliance, people are going to pack Brobnar. You might be able to pack Brobnar. What's your plan? Do the math on their creatures and token generators if you're going up against Brobnar and you want to try to minimize their advantages if they're going to take over the board. When do you, try, when do you play that board wipe to blow them up? What responses do you have? This has been Keyforge Public Radio. Thank you so much for joining me, Zach Armstrong, so that we together can be more informed Keyforge players about Brobnar and Winds of Exchange. I'm so thankful that you joined me. If you haven't considered joining the Patreon, uh, you can do that via the link down in the description of this episode. Every Patreon supporter means the world to me, helping keep this content going, keep it quality, and keep me improving every episode, especially our Airwave Advocate level supporters like Paul Roadrunner. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast if you're not already on whatever platform you're listening on. Just look at the platform and click follow or subscribe. And if you'd like to, go ahead and leave a review uh, somewhere on Apple or Spotify or wherever you'd like to. And just let other people know that you're giving Keyforge Public Radio your vote of confidence when they see the podcast. We're going to be back next week talking about a strategy topic that I'm very excited about. So stick around. We will see you next Wednesday. And remember, like your radio dial, may your Keyforge skills always be well-tuned. <laughs> Visit KeyForgePublicRadio.com to find all of our episodes, transcripts, blog posts, the KPR store, and more. KeyForge Public Radio is made possible with support from listeners just like you, who believe in this game and this show. When you join the Patreon, you receive access to votes on content, sneak peeks, early knowledge of interviews, access to the Discord, and other benefits. So come on down, I'd be honored if you joined us. Follow KPR on any social media platform you frequent. Just search for Keyforge Public Radio, and we're probably there. This show is produced by Rooster High Productions, which is me. And remember, dear listener, the most important part of Keyforge is the person across the table. <laughs> <laughs>